and welcome to I'm Not Doing This For Alcohol. My name is Denise Ferguson and this is episode number 24. Today I'm here with Claire Sweet. Hello Claire, how are you? Hi, I'm fine, thank you. Yes, glad to be on here and able to chat to you and some of your people. Yay, thank you. It's so good to have you. So Claire, tell me, what's your business called and what do you do? So I run a business called Peace Together Money Coaching and I'm a financial advisor and money coach. So what that means is I help women organise their money so that you can save for that big thing you want while having enough money along the way to drink gin, buy shoes, go on holiday, do things that make your life fun. You know, life has changed and so many people I speak to now have changed careers into something new that it's not all about just sort of working, earning the money and then getting to retirement and, you know, sitting in the garden with a book. They, they want to have a good quality of life now and they want to make sure that in the future when they need money, it's in the right place at the right time. Um, you know, and I do all the things that you'd expect from a financial advisor, so I help you you know, protect your family and buy a home and save for retirement and save tax and look at inheritance planning and all that stuff, which people think is a bit sort of scary and maybe a bit boring to be fair. Um, but then I spend a lot of time working with people one-to-one to make sure that those things that they want to achieve, they can, and that they've got a plan in place and they know how they're going to get there. I, I don't find that boring at all because I, I, I'm one of those weirdos that um, my favourite subjects in school was maths. Anything to do with figures, I just adore. So I spend a lot of time, I'm very much uh, the type of person that if there's something that's in the back of my head, I need to find the solution and, and then I feel comfortable and settled and then I can get on with the rest of my life. So when it comes to financial planning, I like to have that plan in place. So you would be ideal for me and, and you know, I'll give you a shout afterwards, but you know, I've got a portfolio of properties, I've, I've got this business, I've got another business, I'm starting another business this year, next year, when, whenever. You know, I've got two kids, you know, I'm on my second marriage, I've got a stepdaughter, you know, so for me, there's a, you know, a bramble bush of things going on. Yeah. So I'd love somebody who could unpick all of that and make it simple for me. Yeah, and it's about having flexibility and having more than one string to your bow. So, you know, pensions are great. And when people talk about financial advisors, they think, oh, yeah, they sort out pensions and life cover. And yeah, that's part of what I do, but it's not the be all and end all. I mean, that being said, pensions can still be great because it's much better than sticking your money in the building society. You save some tax, which is great. You get some free money, which is also great. And, you know, it's going to be a way of having a steady income stream, but at a different time because, you know, like you said there's lots of different ways that people can look at their future and a lot of people now when they get to retirement they don't even retire they just sort of work less hard so like in your business you might find that you still see one or two clients a month that you really like and the rest of them you outsource to somebody else but it means you can still draw an income from your business like into your 70s so you know the whole work for 30 years then retire and sit in the garden with a pension is sort of pretty much gone which is great because I like hearing about people, um, people's stories and what they've been up to and what they're looking to achieve. And that's not the same with anybody that I work with. Um, you know, most of the people I work with are business owners, predominantly women. Um, as I said earlier, a lot of coaches I seem to be working with at the moment and CEOs, people who are running a business where they've got staff involved um, and they just want to make sure that the business is running in a way that means that they can take the money out they need while not having to necessarily go into the office every day and I think that's what we all aspire to really you know in an ideal world somebody would pay us to sit at home but that doesn't really happen well I I'm I'm kind of not like that actually I 
love what I do so I don't and, and my husband's kind of the same but I don't we don't aspire to he runs his own business too and we don't aspire to not work or, or be paid and stay at home but but very much like you said the aspiration is to at some point cherry pick you know the bits that we do and, and largely I do cherry pick the clients that I work with anyway so there's there's there isn't any clients that I have that I don't enjoy working with but obviously there's going to be you know Bob who likes a slice of cake that I'm going to enjoy meeting more often than you know um, other clients that, that aren't quite as generous with the slice of the cake so I completely <laughs> understand that you know how situation you know life's changed from you know when you used to retire at 60 65 I mean my dad retired at 58 he must be bored out of his mind by now I have no plans to retire because for me it's you know work is just the joy so it's interesting that you say that I, I like to hear that you know loads of people that you work with have that yeah. mentality because then work's never really boring is it exactly and the thing is everybody's situation is different and there are some people that I speak to that have got a really clear picture of what they want to achieve and other people haven't and all they want is someone to help them get their money organized and start to take that first step so I did a free challenge back in my Facebook group before Christmas and I just gave people really three simple tasks to do. The first one was to have a look at what they think they earn each month and then actually check the bank statement and see is it actually what you think and then do the same with what you spend out on your bills and what you spend out on other stuff and all I asked them to do was put little hearts, as a green heart as yes it was right and amber it was nearly there and a red no way it was well off because you need to be aware of what you're spending. And then what we came up with was that one thing that you would really like to achieve in the next couple of years, it could be a dream holiday or a new car or something, have a really good picture of what you want and know how much it's going to cost and then start to put some money away each month towards it. So three really simple steps, but it meant that by the end of the week, my ladies, they all had their little bank account that they're like, I'm going to start putting £30 a month in it towards this thing I want. And they feel like they're making progress. It doesn't have to be massive. And I think the danger with money stuff is sometimes you think, oh, it's like this. And like anything else, if you can just do a little bit and then a little bit more, you can move to where you want to be. And it's just so exciting. You know, when I get a photo of like some first time buyers standing in front of their house with a selfie saying, look, here's the house you helped me buy. It's just brilliant. I love it. Oh, I'm the same because I help people get into commercial properties. So when they've got those keys, like that is my favourite picture that I yeah. get of somebody standing with like that. that that first day at school grin on their face with a set of keys like yay it, exactly it's and it's brilliant it just so is and you know as a financial advisor there's such a range of stuff I can do but in terms of where I find my focus is typically I help a lot of first-time buyers get onto the housing ladder because they need a lot of hand-holding there's so many things they've got to sort out they've got to sort out solicitors and mortgages and all the protection things you know what do you do if you run out of money and you need to be able to still pay your mortgage if you go off sick what do you do and I help people navigate all that and break it down into one easy to follow plan and it's just great and then they recommend their friends and their family and people to me which again is always the best way to find clients isn't it if you get people who are recommended from somebody else I think it's the best uh review that you can ever get isn't it and and that's why I put my testimonials all over um you know social media just to show the service that I provide to people but it's interesting you were talking about that kind of saving thing every month because um I, I 
this this January, I've done dry January. Ugh, God, can't wait until next Saturday. But I've also done, which has been harder, um, and I haven't been quite as consistent as I have with dry January, is I've been doing no spend January. And I, so um, six years ago, I was divorced. I had £25,000 worth of debt. You know, I, I literally had no income. I'd been sacked from our family business. You know, I was in shit absolute shit and and I had two young kids they were four and six you know when they asked for stuff they couldn't have anything and over the six years you know I've built my company up I'm really successful now it's amazing it's great but unwillingly unknowingly I've kind of raised my kids to just be able to have whatever they wanted and um you know over they're not really spoiled or anything but we do do lots of things we go on holiday a lot and we do stuff but anyway I saw this no spend January and I thought I'm going to go for that. I'm going to try it because I wanted to take them back to the days when they couldn't have everything they wanted and we just had the things we needed. And I did that and it was absolutely, I mean, it was so hard, so hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done because, you know, you just spend money without even knowing it. And, you know, it, it was a real eye opener. But the amount of money in my account in comparison is just phenomenal. It scares me the amount of money I must fritter away every month. The thing is, you can only spend your money once, it's like your time. And the big thing that I focus on with the clients I work one-to-one with, and you know, I've got other ways I work with people, I've got a membership, I've got a free group, and my key message is that you can only spend it once, so you need to make good choices. Now, I'm not somebody that spends all their time banging on about being frugal, saving money, cutting coupons, and all that type of stuff. But that being said, what I will do is make sure I spend less on some things to free up money on other things. So if you take like your groceries and things like that, for example, you know, I like nice things. I buy at Heinz ketchup and Hellman's mayonnaise and decent tea bags, but I don't think I've paid full price for any of those in about 10 years because I see an offer at the supermarket, I'll buy one and put one in the cupboard for later. So I never get stuck paying £1.80 for Bisto because I always buy it when it's a pound. But by freeing up the money that way, it means if I want to go and spend 60 quid on a pair of shoes, I can do it without blinking because actually that's where I'd rather spend my money. Um, and the same as eating out. You know, it's it's so easy these days that you buy a coffee, you tap, pick a card, you don't go shopping, yeah. put petrol in your car, have a coffee and you come home. You could have spent 250, 300 quid without even blinking. And it's so easy to spend it that I think sometimes taking a step back like you've done this month and just being conscious, what do you spend? is a real eye opener. Um, I tend to get people to use a budget planner and just go through and write down what they spend each month and to look through their bank statements or their app or whatever they're using and just see actually what do you spend against what you think you spend. And it's amazing. Sometimes people, you know, they have these conversations with me where I remember these young lad turned around to me at one meeting and he said he thought he spent about 40 quid a week on food and I was like well okay well I'm coming back to see you in two weeks so in the meantime write down everything you spend and we'll see and when I walked through the door two weeks later the first thing he said to me is do you know how much cheese is (laughs) and I was like yeah actually and actually it is that thing because people don't realize what they spend and you might think, okay, well, I spend 60 quid a week in Sainsbury's, but what they forget is every time you go down the co-op to buy loo roll, you come back with 18 quid's worth of food, drink, chocolate, and whatever. That all adds up, and over the course of the month, 
that means you've got money that you can't spend on other things. Um, so yeah, it can be a really good exercise just to pull it together and work out what you're spending. And it is all the odd things like eating up the food in your freezer. And you know, the big one we did a couple of years back was a challenge was about using up bottles in your bathroom. Do you find that you've got like three bottles of shampoo open and it's like, you don't need another one. You've already got one. Exactly that. When I, you know, every food shop from January, I've, you know, because I have a, a set automatic food shop that I just press the button and if I forget to change it, then at least I've got all the things that we normally eat, that's fine. But it would have, you know, three lots of shampoo, three lots of conditioner, you know, a bubble bath, a, a shower gel. It's bloody January. Do you know how many of them we got for Christmas? So, yeah. it, you know, the whole of January, I've not bought any of those things. No. Because, of course, we don't need them in January. Every single person in the whole country got them in their stockings. Exactly. And do you know what? The thing that I found um, a few years ago was that I, I've actually stopped buying most of the toiletries in the supermarket unless they're on offer. So most of mine, I go up to somewhere like Home Bargains or, or one of those type places because you buy your branded toothpaste for a pound. You know, and in the supermarket, it might be a couple of quid. And you think, oh, well, it's only a pound, but all those bits add up. So again, you know, my cupboard under my sink in the bathroom, I've got toothpaste and mouthwash and deodorant. And I always get a couple if they're on a good price. You know, I mean, short of, you know, Brexit or world apocalypse, I've actually got probably enough toothpaste for, for most of my county um, stored in the cupboard in the bathroom. But it just means then I can free up the money for things I want. So, you know, each month I actively put money away for my future. I put money away for personal development every month, for giving to charity every month, and for various other things that are important to me. Um, and I can do that because I've got things organised and I love helping people do it. It's just brilliant. And in this day and age, it's even easier than it's been in the past. You know, our sort of mothers and grandmothers used to have little envelopes where you used to put, you know, the housekeeping money in one and the bills money in another. and whatever and I run six bank accounts but with accounts like Monzo and um, Tide and some of these others now um, Starling Bank I think you can have different pots of money so even within one account I know Barclays do it as well you can actually say right well this is my money for my holiday this is my money for this and you can make that choice which I just I think life is about choice I really do I think you've got to use what you've got really yeah, I am. I completely agree with that. I am very much a holiday girl. I'm not a car girl. I have an old car which baffles my husband and all of his friends because I run around in a little mini and I love her. Um, but I'm just not into cars. I'd rather have another holiday. So I don't understand yeah. spending that sort of money on it. Which is fine. And if it works within your budget, that's great. I mean, I sometimes am surprised when people sort of, they do their budget plan and sort of look at me a bit sheepishly as if like, well, we, we like to spend a lot of money on eating out. And it's like, but if that's your thing, that's fine. Other people I see, you know, spend 80 quid a month on a mobile phone or a Sky subscription. And if that's your thing, you watch movies and sport and that's, that is it. Brilliant. But don't have an 80 quid Sky subscription for your kids to watch cartoons, get Netflix or Freeview save the money, spend it on something else, because that's 80 quid you could be putting towards your dream holiday, your new car, your kids' college fund, your retirement, whatever else, you know, and um, yeah, I just think it's really exciting, and I see different people every day, um, you know, this week has just been mentally busy. January is usually really quiet for me, because people, typically people don't move house in January unless they really have to. The couple of people that we've had moved this year are people who wanted to move December and it never quite happened for them. 
Um, but a lot of people, I think, this year seem to have gone over their finances in uh, Christmas and are now coming back to me and sort of say, oh, I really need to get this stuff sorted. Can you have a look at this for me? Um, which is great. You know, it gives me an opportunity to meet some new people and make an impact in some other people's lives. Yeah. So where do you see your business going then? What's the plan? What's the plan? So um, the plan at the moment is to branch out and do more of the money coaching. Um, there's a big gap in the market for that because there are so many people that don't think that they need a financial advisor. They either think that a financial advisor is a bloke in a suit, um, yep. which I'm not. Um, you know, I am a, a woman with alpacas in her garden and pink hair, which is, you know, a little bit different. Um, I think also people are worried that they might be patronised or talked down to, um, especially if they are in a successful business that's grown quickly. I've worked with a lot of people in the last couple of years that have started from very little and now have got a really good income, have got a good five-figure income or even a six-figure income. And because their money's grown so quickly, they've almost got to the stage where they don't quite know what to do with it because it's like, I've got this money in the bank, what do I do with it? But they don't want to ask anyone because they think that because they run a business that's that successful, everyone assumes they should know and they shouldn't ask. And there is that sort of taboo about talking with money. So that's sort of where I'm focusing this year on helping these ladies get their finances organized and just doing it in a step-by-step way. So typically when I'm working with people at the moment, you know, we look at what they've got and then we look at making sure that they've got a will in place you know, so that they can get everything going where they want in the future. and means that, you know, their kids don't go into care if they die. It's important stuff that every parent needs to sort out. We look at things that we can put through the business, which saves your tax and makes your quality of life better. So your business can pay into a pension for you. It can pay for your life cover for you. And then, you know, you know that if anything happens, you've got those things bottomed out. And, and step by step, we'll go through all those bits and pieces. So you come out of the end with that, I suppose peace of mind of knowing that actually if you were to be ill and not work for six months you're not going to lose your home and your kids are going to have money to spend and that you've done it all because I think as a business owner no one teaches you this stuff you sort of you go into your business doing that thing you do you know I and mean, it doesn't matter whether you're a coach or a beauty therapist or an architect or whatever you do you're good at being that thing but no one actually says well yeah but when you run a business You've got to have that entrepreneur, business owner, manager bit. Um, oh, I, suppose- I couldn't. I couldn't agree I more. It, I couldn't agree more. It's literally my business model too, because I I largely work with people who have multiple hair salons, and you know, usually they are. In fact, I think a hundred out of a hundred, they are people who have been hairdressers since they were sixteen years old opened their first hair salon. It was massively successful. Opened another, 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 and, and that's how they've grown. And yeah. And you know, there's a, there's a, not embarrassment, but maybe that's not the right word. But let's use embarrassment anyway. There's a, there's a, an embarrassment of of having made financial and personal mistakes when it comes to business premises because they didn't know where to get advice. They didn't know they could get advice. They just thought they had to sign, you know, the lease that was given by the landlord. So it, completely the same with with you. You know, that it's just there's that there's the you know, because you've got a successful business that you must be able to do all of it. You know, I'm literally sitting here thinking, you know, I'm very good at running businesses. I love what I do. But in the corner of my room, there's a TV that I don't even know how to turn on. You know, it's, it, you know, we, we can't know how to do everything in the world and we have strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, for, for them to have people like me who can help with business premises and people like you who can help with money planning, it's important to have that because, 
we couldn't cut our own hair we couldn't you know build our own house so uh, you know we go to other people when we need help yeah and i think that's so important because in your business you know the first person that a business owner would tend to get help from would be an accountant and other than that a lot of people i speak to they've not actually branched any further than that and when you say to them well actually did you know about these things all you get is someone said oh yeah my accountant said i needed to do something but they don't then know what to do next um you know and i've built up over the years you know quite a good referral network of people that i can send people to and they specialize in their own little thing um and because of that you just think well actually you're good at what you do i mean it's like my computer you know if it plays silly what's it i can sort it out i can play with my printer and play with the ink heads and clean it and but actually i've got a bloke that comes in and it costs me 50 quid and he comes in and he does it and i don't then want to throw it out the window which works much better than me playing with it and i like that there's a lot of things in life and it takes sort of a set of confidence for you to be able to think actually i need to get some help from an expert here and i think the secret is then just finding someone that you can chat with and that is actually on your wavelength um and i think that when you're getting someone to join your team whether it's an accountant a financial advisor a business coach a strategist or whoever you almost need to interview people and just have you know a zoom call and a coffee and have a chat about you and about them and think can i work with this person can i share things with this person because you know i meet people who say they're accountant they hate you know they say i see him once a year i give him my paperwork and all he does is give me a bill and i think well actually if that's your relationship i just hope you're not paying too much for it it's fine if you're only paying him a couple of hundred quid a year then great bingo go for it but if you're paying a decent amount then you should expect that relationship and i think business is about relationships i think if you go into business to help people i think you'll always succeed if you go into business to make money you'll fall on your face 100% 100% you buy from people that you know like and trust and i know that gets thrown out you know by every marketer in the land but it's so so true you just you know and and i was i was on a podcast uh yesterday a couple of days ago whenever and and i was saying you know that that I, the reason I do my podcast, the reason I do Facebook Lives, the reason I do Instagram and LinkedIn and all of that is because I have such a big personality and you have to be a certain type of person to want to work with me and other people just aren't going to want to and that's brilliant because there's other people out there that are perfect for you so go and find them. But if Exactly. Yeah, yeah no, I completely if, agree. Exactly. If you want everything in plain english and you know and you know someone to hold your hand and someone to cheerlead and someone who's going to find it funny when you fall on your face uh, face physically and not business wise then you know i'm your girl i'm here to have a laugh and a joke but be professional and get the work done and for you to be confident and you know and know your shit at the end of the day i'm your girl but if you want somebody who's going to sit in his little suit you know and tell you to sign a piece of paper so that you don't understand that ain't me that ain't no that exactly exactly not and what i spent such a lot of time going through stuff with people and to be fair i probably give more than i should and i probably share more than i should but you know i know my clients inside and out and i know the name of their dog and where their kids go to school and you know we have that relationship that then means that when the phone goes and i can pick it up and say oh hi helen how are you you know how how is barbados they're actually like oh yeah actually that was really how do you know that and it's like because you take an interest um and i think that goes such a long way um there's this so many different people out there doing different things and I can't work with everybody and I don't want to 
you know, I want to work with people who want to work with me. And quite recently, I was actually really pleased. It was a weekend we were away and I had a Facebook message from someone I know saying, you've just been trolled on LinkedIn. And I was like, yay. And I'm like, okay, that's brilliant. I got trolled so, yesterday. <laughs> that was absolutely brilliant. So, you know, I sent a message to a couple of girls that I know that are in the mastermind that I'm in. And I was like, who wants to come and like, cut the legs off a troll? And it was great. And, you know, they put their positive comments and I responded to this particular woman who put on there and said, look, actually, you know, money coaching is not a big thing. Money coaching is something that everybody who has ever interacted with a financial advisor, a mortgage advisor, or an accountant has had. They don't know they've had it. You know, when you sit down with your accountant and they talk to you about whether you should be a sole trader or a limited company, and they go through all the pros and cons and help you come to a conclusion, that's money coaching. When you sit with a mortgage advisor who explains to you what a fixed rate is and what a variable rate is and why you might want one or the other and you come out and say, oh, go on then, do me a three-year fixed rate, that's money coaching. It's all the stuff that financial advisors and accountants do that otherwise we don't normally get paid for, we give away for free. Um, and for some people who don't want to work with you but they just want that help as a one-off, it's a great way of them getting that help because I think... There is this perception that if you want to work with a financial advisor, it's going to cost you thousands of pounds and I can't afford it, which means you tend to go off on the tangent on your own. You might not seek any advice. You might just ask your friend in the pub um, or look on Google. And, you know, obviously everything on the Internet is true. We all know that. But, obviously, <laughs> you know, it can get people into all sorts of trouble. Um, you know, I had a message from a lady today who sent me quite a long message. She found me online and she was saying about she'd got herself into a bit of a pickle, she'd gone through a divorce, had a problem, and she was saying, well, you know, I'm 53 years old, I might just look at taking some money out of my pension, blah, 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 and whatever. And, you know, I got my PA to send a reply to her, ring her up and say, look, you know, yeah, we'll book a call, we'll have a chat about how I might be to help you, and whatever. I said, but I need you to stress to this woman, she cannot take her money out of a pension if she's under 55. And if she's seen anything online that says she can, it's a scam. Because unfortunately, people like that, when they're then in that desperate state, are more likely to get taken advantage of, you know, and you don't want it for that. You, you know, you want to sort of protect people as best you can, um, but it can be hard, you know, it, it yeah. really can. I completely agree. I mean, I, when I when I come across somebody who's already signed a lease and, you know, they're, they're, in, they're in a bad way and their business is, you know, teetering on the edge and, and they, all, they always say, you know, that, you know, I've been taken advantage of and you know, they said this was a good deal and blah, blah, blah. And I always say to them, but of course it was a good deal for them. They offered you what was good for them because they need to also make money. And what I'm here for is to essentially you know negotiation is making sure that neither of you are 100% happy but that you come to you know an, a, an agreement whereby you're both paying a fair amount of money for the service that you're getting the landlord's sort of happy you're very happy compared to what you're offered and yeah. you know you can go ahead and it's not you know I, I try to move away from the whole you were scammed and stuff because you had an opportunity to get advice but obviously you know you've got it now let's move on basically yeah, no, exactly. is what i yeah yeah no but, i think that's fair you can't you can't be harping on about the past i mean in terms of the clients that i work with you know i am a very caring and sympathetic person and i will quite happily listen to anybody's past history sub story or whatever 
And up until a point, that's absolutely fine. But at some point, they really do have to just sort of pull up their big girl pants and get on with it because we've all been there. You know, I've been in that situation where I went shopping with a £2.50 Sainsbury's voucher because I had no money before I got paid. I've been through two divorces. So, yeah, I'm one up on you. Oh, well done. Um, and, you know, I in the post. Exactly, exactly. I get the world star. So, you know, I managed to be married three times before I was 40, which is, I think, quite an achievement. But hey, oh, um, that's a story, that is for, that's a story for another day. Um, but the thing You're is. You're my second three. Uh, yeah, second three marriager. Mm. Yeah, Lisa Johnson's a three marriager she too. Is. She is a three marriager, yes. Um, but no, the thing is, you know, you just have to decide what you want and then get on and do it. And no one is gonna do this for you. And I think as a woman, I've always avoided specializing in working with women until quite recently, really, because I've been to a lot of women's networking events, which are all a bit sort of girl power, burn your bra, we don't like men type things. And I'm like, actually, that's not me because I have got a whole load of clients that are men as well. But what I did find last year was that increasingly I was meeting high value women who only wanted to talk to a woman because they didn't feel comfortable speaking to a guy about this stuff. They just thought, no, actually, I want someone who really resonates with me, who gets me and understands what it's like maybe to be the, the female breadwinner in a family, to be responsible for looking after children, for worrying that they don't want to be financially dependent on somebody else. And because I've sort of been there and done that, it's it's really easy for me to relate to them. So that's why, you know, yeah, I, I pretty much aim to work with women, but I still get, you know, guy, I've got a guy coming in tomorrow because he's the dad of somebody else that's a client of mine. But then this last yeah. week, I also spoke to her sister. So it was like, will you speak to my dad about some investment stuff? And I was like, yeah, no, send him around. You know, exactly. because exactly he wants somebody they trust and that they know that's going to be all right. So. Yeah, I, you know, I, so my message is always directed towards women because largely they're the people who don't, they don't ask for advice. And, and that's, that's very clear to me because men just come to me and, and not from social media, but they just, you know, word of mouth. Blah, blah, blah. So about 30% of my clients are, are men and, you know, the other 70% are women. And that's because, you know, they, they constantly see me, they're referred to by, you know, other people refer them to me and then you know we we spark up a, a relationship and then they they work with me but I'm exactly the same as you I do my messages towards women but I, I I'll you know I'll work with a, a good old guy as as long as they can take the banter it's all okay anyway exactly we are coming to the end of our podcast and I end all podcasts with the eight mile moment I don't give a shit what anyone thinks about me and I love Eminem and in the 8 Mile he goes on, he does his, all, all his rap battles by saying the worst things about him he's skinny, he's white, lives in a trailer you know, his mum's awful all of that so, what are the worst things about you? Worst things about me um, I talk too much I talk at about 200 miles an hour because I have a brain that is just doing this all the time. I'm sure if I was 20 years younger, you'd have put me on Ritalin. Um, I've got loads and loads of ideas. And because of that, I can always see a solution, which some people like, but other people like the time to come to it themselves rather than me saying, right, what you could do is this. Um, other things wrong with me? I do get a bit distracted on social media. I do like singing along on the radio, um, which is fine, as long as you're not the car driving next to me on the M25. And yeah, I eat far too much chocolate and cheese. But other than that, I think I'm pretty much all right. 
I think maybe you're my spiritual animal because all of the above. Hey. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And as always, if anyone else wants to be on the podcast, please do email us at info at find-surveyors.co.uk. Thank you so much. Goodbye.